I'm Olympic and world champion diver, Laura Wilkinson, and this is the Pursuit of Gold podcast. Each week, we are unlocking the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual tools that help athletes reach their biggest goals in sports. Today's guest is a three-time Olympic medalist and an incredibly decorated bobsledder. And bobsledding isn't just something she's really good at. It's actually becoming a family affair. Alana Myers-Taylor was proposed to on a world championships podium, and later she made the men's national team by driving a bobsled with her husband in it. So it was no surprise when Alana gave birth to her sweet baby boy, Nico, earlier this year that she would get right back into the swing of training, baby in tow. But although it may look easy from the outside, there were unexpected challenges and reality has looked a little bit different than planned. So get ready for a very candid chat about training mixed with motherhood. But before we dig into this episode, I want you to go ahead and subscribe right now to this show because that next episode, it could be the one that you need to inspire you to get to the next level. And while you're there subscribing, go ahead and rate and review us because those reviews really do allow us to keep bringing on these absolutely phenomenal guests for you. So I believe that there's gold in your future. So let's dive on into this episode with Alana Myers-Taylor. Alana Myers-Taylor, welcome to the Pursuit of Gold podcast. It's so good to talk to you again. Great to speak with you too. Look, you're obviously a very accomplished bobsled athlete. You've won three Olympic medals, two silver and a bronze. You won the very first world championship gold medal for Team USA at women's bobsled. I'm sure we are going to touch on some of those stories today as we talk too. But mainly, I want to focus on your training now and going forward because it looks a whole lot different from when you won all of those amazing medals in the past. (laughs) Oh, yeah. These days are definitely crazy different, uh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I love it. Uh, Well, okay. But before we even get into that, I love the story. So we have to go back to where it kind of all started on the award stand at the 2013 World Championships. Tell us what happened there. (laughs) So in St. Moritz, Switzerland, my husband, now husband, is a bobsledder uh, as well. So we had been dating for about three years and we had our World Championships in St. Moritz, Switzerland that year. And we had talked about getting married and things like that before. I actually thought he was going to propose to me and I was kind of disappointed when he didn't propose. So I knew World Championships was coming up. I had a good chance of winning or at least placing in that World Championships. I had been tracking really well. So I had told him, I was like, look, I know we've been talking about getting married, but do not propose at world championships. I want (laughs) world championships to be about worlds. I want our proposal to be about our engagement. Like, do not propose. And so, lo and behold, he didn't listen to me. And it was crazy because the first day of competition goes off. In bobsled, we have two days of competition. The first day of competition goes off, and I am, like, sitting in – Second or third place, I can't exactly remember, but it's all within a hundredth of a of a second. Um, the winner at that point, Kelly Humphreys, is in the lead, but she's got this phenomenal lead right now. So it's me and three other Germans <laughs> battling it out for the next two medals. So we're going back and forth, hundredths of a second, and finally it comes down to the bottom line, and I finish second. And when I'm on the podium. Lo and behold, did I know my husband had this elaborate plan and he proposed to me while I was on the podium um, winning my world championship medal, which... Were you mad though? (laughs) Were you mad? I was not at all. (laughs) I was not. Um, I was so happy, so excited. And it was so cool um, the way it was covered. You know, we've got footage from NBC on it and... 
Like it was just a great moment. The rink he got me didn't fit because my hands were so swollen from like being in the cold and competing. Oh so no. Those pictures look kind of funny. Um, <laughs> he does play it out. He did play it out, I promise. But it's just kind of funny looking back is because that competition was so intense and to have that moment afterwards and the littlest thing, you know, to remember it by like the ring didn't fit then. Um, it's kind of cool. That's so fun. So what was better though, the the medal or the ring? Tell me the truth. The ring for sure. I mean, <laughs> okay, good answer. I was going to say, we won't tell Nick if you say the medal, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely the ring. <laughs> That's awesome. So it all kind of started there. And then earlier this year, you welcomed your sweet little Nico into the world. Um, so congratulations. He's so cute. So how, how many months is he now? So he will be six months in about a week. So ah. six months, I'd say. Um, yeah. And me and my husband had talked about starting a family and I've always wanted to be a mom since I can remember. I didn't even, I was not one of those little girls who grew up having a wedding in mind. The only thing I had planned in my head for a wedding was a cake, of course, as a (laughs) bobsledder. That's what I would think about is food. But I had no plan of a wedding or anything. Thought it would happen someday, but I always wanted to be a mom. So me and my husband had started talking about it, uh, but we had been told, pretty early on that it might be difficult for us to get pregnant and that it it might not happen naturally for us. Um, And actually, I was told to go on some medication, start some medication in order to try and get pregnant. But with competing, of course, a lot of those medications are banned. But we were like, look, we're just going to try anyways and see and, and go with it. And we had one to get pregnant right after the games, right after 2018 Olympics. That didn't happen. It took us a little bit longer, but fortunately, uh, we were just so blessed to be able to get pregnant at all. We were so excited to have our little boy with us now. Yeah, that's so cool. We kind of went through the same thing. I, I retired in 08 and I was like, okay, it's time to get pregnant. But like, you know, trying to get pregnant is not like athletics where you think, okay, if I just work really hard, I'll get this thing that I'm working toward. Pregnancy is not like that. And that's really frustrating for an athlete <laughs> or any type A person, I guess I should say. So I understand that completely. It took us a couple of years as well. But okay, even from the beginning with Nico, things didn't quite go as planned. I know you had him unexpectedly early and I think the delivery and everything were were difficult. Can you kind of take us on that journey? Yes, it was absolutely crazy. Um, so he was born in February of this year. Oddly enough, he was born on the day of Women's Bobsled World Championships. Nuh-uh. So um, I like to say he came out to try and watch the race. Uh, I don't <laughs> think he made it. I didn't see the race, so I doubt he did. Um, but, you know, it was kind of cool because whenever I would watch races and I watched all season long, he would actually kick me. So it was kind of funny that he came out in time for world championships but lo and behold he was born in february was supposed to be due in march came about three weeks early and spent about eight days in the NICU which was an experience that I wouldn't wish on anybody at all it is one of the most heart-wrenching experiences to go through that Um, and fortunately you know my husband's really strong and and he was able to walk us through that because I definitely would not have made it as a as a new mother. And you got all the hormones from pregnancy going through you at the time. I definitely would have made it. So I labored for about two days uh, before finally having an emergency C-section. And then Nico spent time in the NICU. And then we received a diagnosis that uh, he had Down syndrome. So it was pretty pretty intense um, week after his birth there. So you didn't know about the downs before, like during the pregnancy? Because I know sometimes people can find that out. I didn't know if you guys knew that or not. 
Yeah, so they have the prenatal testing, um, and me and my husband thought about getting that. But at the end of the day, we came to the decision that, look, it doesn't matter if this baby has any genetic abnormalities or anything like that. He's our baby. Well, we didn't even know he was a he at that time. Uh, it's our baby. Oh, you didn't find out the gender either? Oh, No, we didn't We didn't find out until he was born. So uh, we were like, it doesn't matter. This is something we've really wanted. It doesn't matter if anything comes up on it. We're carrying this to full term and, and we're going to take care of it and love this child regardless. So we didn't really feel like it was necessary. So when we got the diagnosis after he was born, we were surprised. But, you know, it was never a never a question in our mind about him or what that would mean for his life or anything like that. We knew we would love this child regardless. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love it. But I, getting a diagnosis like that, you said, is surprising. And it's it's heavy in a lot of ways. Not that you're going to love your child any less, but just that there's a lot that comes with that. And I guess, what did that kind of gravity feel like to you or did it? At the time, when we got the diagnosis, we were solely focused on doing whatever we can to get him out of the NICU. So I don't think at the time we really even had time to process over the diagnosis. We're like, okay, he's on oxygen in the NICU. He's he's trying to take full feedings in the NICU. We're trying to do all these things. So we didn't even have time to really process the diagnosis and what that means. And I don't know that we ever really had a lot of time to process the diagnosis because as soon as he's out of the NICU, then you have a whole bunch of follow-up appointments and all this kind of stuff. And I kind of think that it's like my athlete mindset that kind of went and took over. It's like, okay, this is what we got to do to reach this goal. This is what we got to do next. And and so it became more of a planning process than actually like thinking, oh, what does this mean for our child going forward? What does this mean for him right now or anything like that? Um, it just became like, okay, this is the work we got to do. Uh, we got to make sure our baby's healthy and, and this is what we're going to do. Yeah, I totally get that. And I think that's sometimes where you see athletics actually plays a really good role in our lives because it kind of gets you through that survival moment. You know what I mean? Because there are those times where you just can't, you can't stop to process the emotions. You have to like make sure, like you said, he, he breathes his oxygen. He gets out of NICU. We get to this next appointment. Like sometimes you just have to make it. <laughs> and that's yes. like the most important thing you can do and you can process later. So I guess, and you, he has another diagnosis as well, correct? He has a profound bilateral sensory neural hearing loss. I got to get all the words in there. A lot of words. Um, (laughs) So basically, um, he has hearing loss. And right now, babies, I I had no idea about this process. But right now, we manage it with hearing aids. And we try and get him as much hearing as possible, try and get him as much language as possible. And then right now, it's looking more like we'll go towards cochlear implants and just try to get him as much hearing as possible. That's cool. Was that diagnosed pretty early on as well or just recently? That was diagnosed pretty early Um, and we'll continue to do testing. He'll do testing um, because his hearing has gotten a little better as he's gotten older. So what the ultimate outcome is, we'll see. But at the end of the day, we're going to do everything we can for him. Right now, that includes sign language, which I know is good for any child. Uh, So we're trying to watch all the YouTube videos we can. Um, I'm not very good yet. We're working on it. And then just doing as much as we can. He does auditory therapy and different types of things to just try and uh, help him learn and help him get as much communication as possible. 
Oh, that's awesome. And we were kind of talking about this the other day when we were messaging, but my daughter, Zoe, she has microsia atresia of her left ear, which basically means that her ear just didn't even develop during pregnancy. So she just has this little tiny, adorable little earlobe and there's absolutely no ear canal or opening at all on that side. But we we had to do a lot of testing when we brought her home from China uh, as well, like where you have all the electrodes all over your head and they they go to sleep and you kind of see what actually fires Mm -hmm. and works. And she's had kind of tests like we we go every year and, and they kind of see how it's doing. And what we found is she actually actually has a functioning cochlear nerve so that we we could do something like an implant or um, a bone conduction hearing aid and stuff. Um, right now, we can't get her to wear any headbands to keep it on because the good and bad of it is her right ear works really well. It didn't at the beginning. We had like lots of fluid and, and um, we had to put a bunch of ear tubes and they'd always fall out with all this Asian wax she had in her ear. And it was kind of this crazy process. And so her speech was really... Um, rough at the beginning because she couldn't hear anything. So sign language was really handy, handy with us too. Just, I mean, cause she had only heard Mandarin, what she did hear and, you know, things got lost. Like she couldn't totally grasp everything. So yes, yeah, sign language is so helpful when they're little, they pick it up so quick. Oh, yeah, It's amazing. And, but you have to be aware because they'll be doing a sign and it may not totally look like the sign, but it's their version <laughs> of the sign. So yeah, just be on the lookout for that, but they'll, they'll definitely start communicating. But yeah, it was, kind of hard for us at the beginning just because she couldn't communicate as well either. But, um, you know, you find out like you just, you adapt, they adapt, you adapt and you kind of figure it out together, which is kind of the beautiful thing. The beautiful and hard thing about motherhood, right? Is that you learn to adapt. But, um, so how has this affected your training and everything? And I mean, you know, obviously I'm, you know, you're training toward the 2022 is that 2022? Yeah, that's right. There's a lot of twenties in there. (laughs) Um, so you're in Beijing. Um, so how has that looked? Having Nico kind of going through all this, you have started training again. Like, what does that all look like right now? Well, I think the hardest thing, believe it or not, is the COVID. <laughs> Everything <laughs> that's gone on with that. Um, so, you know, regardless of, of Nico's diagnosis, we expected to have all this kind of support and have all kinds of help. And, and you know, we had systems in place for people to help us and, and everything like that. And right now, I don't know that there's been many people even been able to hold Nico just because of the current state of things. So, you know, even going into the season this year, we had childcare lined up, we had people arranged to travel with us. And and now what all that looks like is just who knows. And, and for us too, you know, Nico has a couple of therapies he has to get a week and physical therapy, speech therapy, things like that. So we're just kind of adjusting. You know, it's funny you say that about kids, they have an amazing ability to adapt. And I think that's what he's already taught me in the six months of life is is you just have to adapt and uh that's what we're doing every day and i'm sure you you know that as a mother is you just i fit in my training first thing in the morning and you know nico goes to the track with me uh, my husband nick's at the track with me and and we work our therapies in throughout the day and then i'll finish off the evening with the weightlifting session but it's all just adapting and when we first started back, I tried to be like, oh, I'm going straight back to the training I used to do. Uh, but then we realized that doesn't work at all. <laughs> like, you can't do that. So now I'm realizing that I'm not going to be the athletes I once was, but I'm going to be a new, different, and I think better athlete as a result of everything that's going on. 
Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, and I have to tell you, COVID has, has also made me struggle with some of this stuff, too, because like when our, our gym and our pool got taken away, you know, I was trying to do stuff at home and, and I've got four crazy kids running around. And so I, you know, I, I wanted them to like go in the other room so I could get my workout done because they were all up in my business. And I'm like, I can't get this stuff done. And it was driving me crazy. But I had to just take a step back and be like, look, I'm not going to the Olympics tomorrow. There's no meets coming up. You know, like I got to let them be a part of this. And, and that will be a good thing, even though sometimes, you know, it's hard because it takes them 20 times longer, you know, when they're with you to do something and it can be really frustrating. But what I found though, was it was really cute because a lot of times they would just kind of come for part of the workout with me and they'd do it with me. And then they'd sit next to me and read or play Legos while I was doing it. Or one of my kids, she'd either try to do it with me, my four-year-old, or she'd hop on my back, which is not fun during a HIIT workout for a (laughs) not very cardiovascular person. Um, But they like literally made me stronger, you know, having to do that with her on my back or having to have a good attitude when I wasn't feeling good or I was exhausted and but trying to like show them, you know what I mean? I was trying to put my money where my mouth was, you know, like they're I'm talking about how hard you have to work for something, but now they're gonna actually see me do it where they don't always see me go to the pool, they don't always see me go to the gym. And so actually I think COVID for me has been really cool to like invite them into this process and allow me to like chill out just a little bit and not get as frustrated. And it's amazing when it's done for my mindset and my physical strength and, and a lot of things. So that's cool, you know. And so I, I think as moms especially as new moms, and maybe you're experiencing this a lot of times, and and maybe because you're planning on competing again, maybe it is different. But at least when I became a mom, because I had retired for a while, I thought, okay, now it's their turn. Like my stuff's done. I got to let go of that. It's all about them now. But you kind of lose your identity. And, and there's something cool that I've discovered as I'm doing this again, that when I'm bringing them with me and I'm showing them these things, they're experiencing it with me. And I can explain to them, like they ask me like, well, mom, why isn't that metal gold? Like, how come that's silver? Why did you get a silver? And I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> Kids are brutal. Yeah, they are. But it like so it, it makes you really realize, okay, how am I going to respond to this? You know, and because and, that's going to speak volumes, not just to what they're hearing, but what they're seeing and seeing my actions. And so I think bringing our kids with us can make us actually better. And, and we don't need to stop dreaming. We just need to bring them along for the journey. Oh, without a doubt. I, I uh agree with you 100% on that. And I do have that, even though I'm still competing, I do have that feeling at times, you know, it's it's his time now. And I think every mom has the mom guilt, whether you're returning to work or, or even if you're a stay-at-home mom. mom. My mom actually was a stay-at-home mom. I think you have that guilt at times when you take time out for yourself or for moms who work, when you go to work or for myself, even going to training sometimes, you have that guilt. It's like, oh, I had this child, I should be investing this time in into them. But at the same time, I feel like for Nico's sake and, and for our kids' sake, they are going to get a lot out of showing, out of their mothers showing them that they can go on and set goals and achieve something, even while still being a mom. And also understanding that you're not defined by one thing. Um, and I think that's a problem a lot of athletes run into. And as a mother who is also athlete, you can't afford to be defined by one thing. So I think there's a holistic kind of completeness factor. And granted, I'm only six months in, so maybe I'll be <laughs> saying something else. But from what I've experienced thus far, I feel like it really does enrich your experience. And for us too, I feel like with Nico's diagnosis, it's even more so important to me to show him that you can achieve whatever you set your mind to, that you can set goals and, and go after them. And, and so I feel like part of our journey is, is simply that it's being the best example we can to our kids. And, and sometimes yes, bringing them along. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. Oh, I love that. And for six months in, I feel like you have a lot of wisdom on your side. So that's great. <laughs> now, okay, Nick is still training and competing as well, right? Your husband? Yep. He's also in chiropractic school. So we've got a lot oh, of things goodness. going on here. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Yeah, that's um, more to balance. Yeah, yeah. But uh, his school went all online with COVID, which has been, it's a blessing in disguise. You know, I know a lot of people are going through a lot of hard times during this time, but I think people underestimate the role of fathers in that early childhood development. And so to be able to have Nick here with us, me and Nico, um, day in and day out and at my training and and him being able to train as well, um, I think it's just enriched everything uh, for Nico. And, And honestly, it's made my experience as a new mother much easier. I have friends who had kids right around the same time as me, some of them athletes, some of them not, and their husbands haven't been able to be in the house or their partners haven't been able to be in the house all the time. So to see their experience and to see my experience, it's it's definitely a blessing that Nick's been able to be here all the time. Oh, that's so cool. I mean, do you guys totally tag team it like when you're training and stuff? How does that how does that work? Like functionally? <laughs> how do you guys do it? Yeah, definitely tag team. Um so just for an example, we'll get up in the morning. I'll try and get my breakfast first. That way I can get up a little bit before Nico so I can, I'm still breastfeeding, so I can breastfeed him and things like that. And then Nick will get ready to go. Then by the time I'm done feeding, we'll all get out of the house together. And then while I'm at the track, Nick will take care of Nico. Nico will usually fall asleep. And then by the time I'm done with my workout, it'll be time for Nico to eat again. So I'm usually like at the track, sitting at the track, feeding Nico while Nick does his workout. And then we'll come home. Nico may or may not want to eat again. He may take a nap. You know, he's very variable, but usually that's where Nick comes in. He'll make me lunch and prepare everything for me while I attend to Nico. And it's just really a tag teaming system throughout the end of the day. And then while Nick needs his studies and while he has to do schoolwork and things like that, I'll be with Nico and, and things like that. So, But Nico's a really happy baby, too. We're really lucky in that sense as well. He's pretty flexible. That's cool. Well, yes, you definitely have posted some very smiley pictures of him. He just, oh, I just want to squeeze his cheeks so bad. He's so cute. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So looking forward, like with all the COVID stuff, I mean, I mean, it totally wrecked our season. Obviously, it postponed the Olympics uh, in Tokyo for a year. What has it done for your season and your training? Because I know it's summertime still, so you're not really on the ice right now. Like, what does it look like going forward? Or are there any, is even anything even on the calendar? So our International Federation, the IBSF, has decided they're going to make a decision on our season on September 15th, which leaves us very little time to try and figure out uh, what's going to happen if they decide we're having a full season. Um, Because typically our full World Cup season would start in November to try and figure all that out, uh, what that actually looks like with a date of September 15th as an announcement is kind of going to be a little rough. So we aren't really sure what that's going to look like. Um, Right now, we're still currently planning on starting on ice, at least domestically, in Lake Placid in October. And so that's the plan right now is October 19th, be on ice in Lake Placid and then go from there, um, wait till the IBSF makes their decision. What that means for us is we've just got to do a lot more adjusting on our end because it looks like we're probably going to have to be in some kind of training bubbles or something like that. Only so many people allowed around athletes and things like that. And to think about what that looks like with a baby is is even more interesting. So we're not quite sure what exactly it'll look like, but same as any mother, I you know, we're just going to have to go out there and adapt it and see what that looks like. Um, the other problem is, is 
with starting to travel, we have extended quarantine times everywhere, um, 14 days coming from Georgia, which is where I'm at now. And so that means even 14 extra days headed to Lake Placid, New York, 14 extra days anywhere outside the country. And what that means from a childcare perspective, what that means from now Nico sitting in a new place for 14 days and, and we don't necessarily have access to doctors and things like that. Um, all of that gets more and more complicated and there's a lot of questions, but at the end of the day, we'll figure it out. It's just how it's going to work. I'm not quite sure right now. Right. Yeah. To have quarantine two weeks on either side of where you're going. I mean, that's, that's a lot. And so, yeah, I guess he definitely won't be staying behind with like grandparents or anything. I'm, I'm guessing he'll be with you guys probably the whole time, huh? Yep. Because uh, that's the other complicated thing is, you know, that f- extra 14 days would be another 14 days. My parents would need to look after him or, or someone here in Georgia would need to look after him. And, and it just adds up as far as time away from us and, you know, time that we're relying on other people for child care. And, and fortunately, we have a really good circle and, and people have been more than willing to help us out. It's just with the state of the world, not only have we been a little bit hesitant of, about what circles he's in, but also, you know, everybody's just a little bit more cautious these days. Yeah, for sure. So how has it been back training? Like, I mean, I know we've kind of talked about it on on the bigger scale, but like, how how do you feel right now? <laughs> right now, I'm finally starting to feel like my body's coming online. I think I went into this overly optimistic of what I'd feel like afterwards. Um, first, though, I, I, you know, I was one of those people who said, I'm not having any drugs at pregnancy or I'm not having any drugs at childbirth. I'm going all natural. I don't care how long it takes. We're going to deliver naturally, all this kind of stuff. And none of that happened. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> so I guess that was my first entrance to motherhood is like nothing's going according to plan here. So, you know, so the recovery from a C-section took me a little bit longer um, than I uh, than I expected. I was fortunate enough to work with ReCore Fitness and work on some core exercises. ReCore Fitness is um, physical therapist um, Celeste Goodson, who does strength and conditioning exercise to help your core get back, your pelvic floor get back into shape. So I started that pretty soon after birth. Um, and we were, had started training about six weeks after birth. Uh, but it's it's been a much harder road than I thought, um, not only from a training perspective, but from a mental perspective too, because there's just simply days where you just want to stay home and cuddle with your baby and and you know you got to get up and go to the gym and you know that it's all for this effort coming later down the line um and so right now it's taken a while but i feel like my body's starting to come together and starting to get more into the bobsled shape but i tell you what it was very humbling to like get under a squat rack and, and not hit numbers that i could hit while i was pregnant you know i worked out throughout my entire pregnancy and i squatted and yes you did you were amazing (laughs) thank you (laughs) and i i was able to do all this stuff and so then to come out afterwards and you're like i don't have a baby in me anymore why can't i do this stuff i used to do it was very humbling and you know but we've my husband does my strength and conditioning program so we've been working through it slowly and surely and and i think we're starting to get back to a point where we're gonna we're gonna be ready to go this season. Um, will I be at my absolute peak? No. But will I be good enough to hang? Yes. That's awesome. Oh, I love that. So well, how does it change your mindset going into this year and the Olympic year, the following year? Like how how has your mindset shifted? So I think the biggest thing is I've always, you always want to go out there and win races, right? You always want to go out there and win a gold medal and, and 
obviously rule the world and, and conquer everything. But I think yeah. the mindset <laughs> has changed a little bit in the fact that now it's really turned into a perspective that bobsled is something that I get to do. Bobsled is something that I'm privileged to do. So I really want to go out there for the next what looks like maybe the next two years, who knows after that, um, and have as much fun as possible. And I really want to show my son that I'm out there doing what I love to do. And I continue to do what I love to do while being his mother. Um, so it's turned into this focus of not necessarily going out there every day, like trying to rip people's heads off and, and just win a gold medal. It's really turned into, I'm going to go out there and try and enjoy this experience as much as possible every single day that I have the opportunity to do it. Mm, I love that. I absolutely love that. Well, okay. Tell me about training with your husband too, because not most people don't <laughs> train and compete alongside of their husband and kind of be coached by him too. Like what, how do you guys, I mean, do, do you just leave it on the track and like, don't talk about it at home? You know, how do you, how do you do it? <laughs> well, most people that we talk to can't believe that we do that. They're like, I would kill my husband by now, but He's my favorite person in the world to hang out with. So I don't have that problem. And it's funny, you know, six months of being locked up together, you would think, <laughs> you know, we'd be at each other's throats right now, but we're really not. Um, I, I love him with all my heart. And he has been a godsend to me in every sense of the way. Uh, he's definitely the perfect guy for me. And he understands my idiosyncrasies. He understands my little bit. I tend to be perfectionistic and tend to be a little bit like... Um, just overzealous sometimes. And he understands that and he's able to adapt my programs and things like that. And the biggest thing is, is he's a natural coach. So he's able to break things down into language that makes sense for me. Um, I've seen him coach other athletes before. Um, he's coached Paralympic athletes. He's coached youth athletes. He's even coached elite track and field athletes. And I've seen him also be able to take information and synthesize it for those athletes to make sense for them. Um, so, you know, he's got that gift and that's why I'm so lucky to have him in my corner because he's able to adapt whatever I need and to make it make sense to me. Now, every once in a while, we'll have a disagreement or, or something like that on a training specific thing. But the biggest thing is that we sit down and talk about it and he can even give it to me in a way I'll understand it, which is really nice to have in a coach. Oh, for sure. I think you hit on something huge too, that just communication is such a big, big thing. Um, you know, that not just fighting back, but just like talking through it. And so many people don't take the time. They're either intimidated by their coach or they don't want to push buttons or they come at it with a totally wrong attitude. But I think just kind of just sitting down to work on it and, and everybody come, taking the emotions aside and just communicating through it helps so much. And as a marriage, I mean, I, I, yes. I know you know that, but I think that's one of the things that we have to do is is when we're on the track, when we're on the ice, we talk about bobsled related things. We talk about training and things like that. But we have to be very intentional when we're at home to leave some of that stuff on the ice or on the track. Now, obviously, it's going to flood over. We're going to talk about bobsled stuff every once in a while at home. But usually we ask each other for permission in order to do that. We don't just say, hey, remember this random bobsled thing that we wanted to talk about. Like we ask each other for permission and are very intentional in doing that because we want to respect the fact that there's more to us than just being a bobsledder, more to us than just being an athlete. Mm, that's so good. Everybody take notes on that right there, that uh, our identity does not lie in our sport and that we our relationships need to be about more than just that too. That's awesome. 
Okay, with COVID and everything, the landscape of sponsorships and governing bodies being able to support athletes has changed by volumes. Has that affected you guys? Because you are both very reliant on that since you are both athletes, you know, going for the Olympics. What does that look like for you guys? Has it impacted you heavily? Oh, definitely. Um, that's a main source of income for Bob Sutters in particular, for me in particular, sponsorships and speaking engagements. Um, the past couple of years, I've re- relied heavily on, on speaking to different companies, doing motivational speaking and professional speaking and things like that. And so to not have that opportunity, um, it's, it's definitely hurt quite a bit financially. And I think the biggest thing is we expected that to take a dip. Um, and so we had been very intentional about saving financially while I was pregnant and, and before I got pregnant because we knew this is what we wanted to do. So we were very intentional in saving financially for it. Uh, but we definitely expected to be able to pick back up kind of where we left off once I had given birth and once I had started to recover. But now with COVID, most of sponsorships and, and speaking engagements and, and those types of things has completely shut down. So it has been bit of an interesting time. I've always been an athlete who's worked, um, but even even my position um, has been greatly reduced at this time too because of COVID. So it's been interesting to try and figure out, but you know we're we're still working at it and still trying to be creative to find different sources of income, whether it's just trying to take in part of any campaign we can or, or try and save money here and there. We've just had to be get creative of, from a financial perspective standpoint during COVID. Yeah, I totally understand. I know a lot of people have started doing stuff online and uh, different like Airbnb experiences or some some companies are now doing different um, events online, like through Zoom and, and things like that. So yeah, hopefully you will find kind of those opportunities and be able to, to stretch outside the box a little bit. I think a lot of most athletes, I believe, are dealing with that as well. So let me ask you, has your definition of success changed? Because I know we talked about your mindset's changed a little bit. Has your definition of success changed? And what is that? I don't know if it's really changed much, but I think my definition of success has always been determined internally more than externally. Um, I think at times I get caught up with, you know, what other people are saying about me and, and what the world believes about this, that, and the other or whatnot. Uh, But for me, success is really defined internally by you going after a goal and what steps you took to accomplish it and how you feel the process went. So for example, in my athletic career, um, you could look at two events. In Sochi in 2014, I won a silver medal. And in Pyeongchang in 2018, I also won a silver medal. But those were two very different events. And it's crazy. I would define 2014 as, as, you know, I don't really like to use the word failure because I learned something from it. But I would define that more as a failure. But 2018, I would define as a success 100 times over. And you look at the outcome and you're like, well, they're both silver medals. How could that be? But in 2018, my process was a lot different. How I went about things was a lot different. I was going after it with all my heart and I did everything I possibly could to win that silver medal. So I was really proud of it. And that was my definition of success is doing everything I could to achieve a goal. And so a gold medal didn't happen, but I still forever and always will define that silver medal in Pyeongchang is very successful. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. So what is, so obviously that's a great memory. If you could tell me what one of your favorite memories, it doesn't have to be on a podium, but what is maybe one of your favorite memories that stands out to you of your bobsledding career so far? See, people 
like are always shocked when I say this because it's not the Olympic medals. Um, I love my Olympic medals. Don't get me wrong. They're great to win. And I can't think of a greater moment of, of standing and, and seeing your flag raise an Olympic podium. But my actual favorite bobsled memory is racing with my husband. So I had the opportunity to do four man competitions. And in order to make the first U.S. national team that I was eligible for in four-man competition, um, I needed a crew. And I couldn't get guys to sign on with me. Um, just for a little background, women traditionally aren't weren't allowed to do four-man competition. Um, they were only allowed to do two-man competition. So they changed their rule in 2014 that allowed women to do two-man and four-man competition, much like the men. And so I took up doing four-man competitions, and I was trying to make the U.S. national team. And when it came down to it, I couldn't convince guys to slide with me. I hadn't driven a four-man sled, so they were hesitant. So I was like, look, I got to figure out how to make a team then in order to make the national team. So I was asking all these different guys, kind of like The Bachelor. I'm asking them, trying to hand them a rose, and they're rejecting my roses. Oh, no. <laughs> so um, I had no team. But my husband, who was actually taking the year off to coach, finally agreed to slide with me. And then because he had agreed to get in my sled, two other guys got in my sled. Um, and lo and behold, make this team together and we come down to racing and we actually make the national team. So oh, I was wow. the first U.S. woman to make the national team and I did it with my husband in the back. Oh, and so that cool. was like beyond far uh, my favorite bobsled memory. Well, you have to tell me, was it hard to, I mean, because it sounded like you had to really convince him to get in the sled with you. Like, how did that play out? <laughs> no, I didn't have to convince him at all. He knew he didn't want to sleep on the couch. So he just, <laughs> he's like, the couch or the back of a bobsled? I'll take the back of a bobsled, please. <laughs> smart man, smart man. Oh my goodness. Well, what what advice would you get? Because there are, I feel like, a lot of moms that are elite athletes now. Like I feel like a lot more athletes are having kids and coming back to high level elite and Olympic competition. What advice would you give for those new moms? I think the biggest piece of advice I would say is just be prepared to adapt. It's hard for any new mom or let alone an athlete new mom um, to like plot down your day like we're used to. We're used to having very structured days. We're used to having, you know, you wake up in the morning, you eat your egg whites and you go on about your day and everything's very structured. Um, and that's not how it's going to be as a new mom. That's not how it's going to be as a mom and an athlete. Just be prepared for that and be able to adapt. And the biggest lesson I think I've had to learn is throughout my entire time training, if you don't get in 100% perfect days of training, you'll be okay. There's ways to adapt. Your body will find ways to adapt and you'll find ways to adapt. Um, trust in yourself and believe in yourself. You've been an elite athlete thus far. This is no challenge you can't overcome. Yeah, I love that. I think we just need to remember that like, we're capable of more than we think. And because you've had a kid doesn't mean you are now not capable of doing amazing things. I think it actually means you are more capable of doing amazing things. So I, you know, all moms out there, like, remember that, like you can do incredible stuff. You've just got to believe that you can for sure. Just watch, just watch Alana, <laughs> just watch Alana. <laughs> and the other thing I would say is just don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, I think that's been the hardest thing is during COVID is, is there's so many people who have wanted to help me and I've been more than willing to take their help in a normal circumstance. Uh, but right now it's pretty limited. So there have been quite a few people who have sent us Grubhub 
uh, gift cards or Uber Eats gift cards or things like that. Uh, but if you have the support around you, and, and all of us do have the support around us, just don't be afraid to use that help. Ah, such good advice. Such good advice. Well, Alana, where can we follow you online and cheer you on toward Beijing? So I am on Instagram at Ilana Myers Taylor. Kind of difficult to spell, but uh, we'll make sure it's in the show notes so they can can get it right. <laughs> Thanks. And then on Twitter at EAM Slider24. And then also on Facebook, Ilana Myers Taylor. I'm not on social media as much as I used to be these days. Uh, babies kind of prevent that. Um, I try to keep up with it as much as I can, but feel free to reach out to me. I'm always open down to chat. And she is always posting really sweet pictures of that little boy and how she's training with him. And I love it. It's so inspiring to me and encouraging to me as a mom as well and just as an athlete. So Alana, thank you so much for coming on, for encouraging us and inspiring us. And we wish you all the best. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And it's it's always great talking to you, Laura. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our show. This allows us to keep bringing on amazing guests, and it also helps other athletes to find this show. Make sure to check out the show notes to follow us on social media and learn more about our awesome guest. To hear all of our amazing episodes, head on over to thepursuitofgold.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Pursuit of Gold is proud to be a Podigy production. That's all for now. Make sure to tune back in next week.